Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Well, something happened this morning that uh, all of a sudden changed what I was going to be doing today, and that is an independent report released in Paris uh, finds that more than 216,000 children were abused by French priests and other religious between 1960 and 2020. And once you start crunching these numbers, there's a lot of things that just are stunning. And uh, it's also difficult to know how these compare with what we think we know from the United States in the volume of abuse and the number of abusive priests. With me right now to talk about is J.D. Flynn, co-founder and editor-in-chief of The Pillar. It's a new Catholic media project focused on smart, faithful, and serious journalism from committed and informed Catholics who love the Church. You can visit them at PillarCatholic.com. You should also make sure you sign up. PillarCatholic.com. J.D., good to have you here. Thanks. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Al. I'm glad glad to be with you. This is a... these numbers um, are—they—they they don't seem to square with our experience here in the United States. They, these seem to be—these numbers seem to be much greater, leading me to wonder if we we're undercounting or they're overcounting. That's the first thing that hit me. What about you? Well, yeah, I mean, the numbers are really. Um, are, are shocking. Right? The, 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 the idea that more than 216,000 children have been abused by more than 3,200 priests over a 70-year period in France is, is really quite shocking. Um, when you, I, I should preface this, I think, by saying that I think you and I would both agree that even one act of critical sexual abuse of a child is a scourge and a counter witness to the gospel. And Absolutely. Contrary to everything what the yeah. church says, says is true. Um, but, but I do think it's important to understand kind of what is true so that the church can respond to it appropriately. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that struck me as I read this report, which came from this independent commission in France, is that the numbers that that are given are estimates. Um, The the researchers found more than um, 10,000 victims of clerical sexual abuse who they could identify through archival searches or by interviewing witnesses. But after that, they worked with a polling company and with the French Ministry of Health and Research to, um, to, to essentially estimate how many children might have been abused by a priest or a religious figure, and then to estimate how many priests might have um, done the abusing. And, uh, and so the numbers um, are much larger than the numbers we might expect in the United States, certainly, and uh, again, our estimates, which, which is not quite the same as having um, been nailed down. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, is this a, is this a uh, respected methodology? Well, you know, I'm I'm not a sociologist out, but I, I, I can I can tell you that I have certainly heard people raising questions about the methodology and suggesting that more research is needed. And the reason for that is because the numbers don't quite align with what we sort of know about um, sexual abuse generally and sexual abuse in in the life of the church. And mm-hmm. and here's what I mean: um, for the French numbers to sort of line up, they suggest that French priests who are accused of abuse between um, 1950 and 2020, abused on average uh, almost 70 children, 67 children. So every French priest who would be a perpetrator of abuse would have abused on average something like 70 children. Well, we know here in the United States that um, 60% of priests who have been accused of abuse in the United States are accused of abusing one child. And a very small percentage of uh, priests accused of abuse are accused of abusing more than 10 children, mm-hmm. which John Jay says is consistent with sort of criminological research, part, part, 
reaching beyond the church. Mm-hmm. So the idea of this number, uh, this average number of, of 70 children, you know, nearly 70 children per accused priest, just I think is the thing which leads some people to say we've got to we've got to work out these numbers and understand what's being said here because this doesn't quite seem to add up with our experience right. of sexual abuse in the church and beyond the church. Yeah, how how was the study commissioned? Who was behind it? Uh, who led it? The study was commissioned by uh, the French Bishops' Conference, and they put together a team of independent researchers who do have experience doing both um, sort of um, sociological research and, and criminal research, and some, there were some people with church experience in, in the team as well. But it was it was a super proactive move by the French Bishops' Conference. The study that cost, they spent more than $3 million American dollars on making it all work, and they said they wanted to do it to fully understand the scope uh, of their problem. It, it wasn't similar to like Australia where we had the Royal Commission report, which was a government-funded government initiative, um, nor was it fun, nor was it um, exactly the same as what we've seen in the United States, which is a mix both of attorney general's reports and then some academic studies. This was a sort of comprehensive soup-to-nuts report that the French Bishops' Conference said that they wanted so that they could understand the problem and develop policies that would re- respond to it. Okay. So, do we have uh, we have the John Jay report in the United States, which is probably the most comprehensive? Right. Um, right. Do you know of anyone who is currently working, or any group that is currently working on uh, a comprehensive, coherent narrative of how this happened in the United States? I know we've got we've got reports we've got uh, po- police reports we've got governors uh, I mean state uh, attorneys general uh, reports right. there's a lot of data out there but I am not aware of any one group or person that's trying to gather it all together to help tell the story of how in the world this happened. Well, I'm not aware that any group would have the the resources to do so either, and by that I don't mean money; I mean access. One of the things that's kind of remarkable about this French study is that the researchers were given nearly unprecedented access to the church's archives in order to conduct them. I see. Um, What we've seen in the United States, of course, is attorney generals issuing subpoenas to review records in the church, and then a lot of back and forth about what records they can review and what records they can't review. But even on the issue of McCarrick, here in the United States, we've really seen a public release or or third-party access to a, a lot of records that we've been uh, you know that, that journalists and other Catholics have been asking for for a while about um, just just the trajectory of, of of one abuser, Theodore McCarrick, and the way in which he used money to influence his behavior and extent of things. So, um, so the real challenge in the United States for anything that would resemble this French report, leaving aside the sociological issues, uh, you know, the methodological issues, sure. the real challenge sure. in the United States is that we just don't have the U.S. bishops have not committed to the kind of open access that would um, that would allow something like this to be conducted. Are there canon law reasons for not permitting that kind of access that you're aware of? Well, it, it all depends upon, of course, it, it all depends, of course, upon the framework. There are certainly civil law reasons not to do so, and some bishops have said that they can't release records that they would otherwise release because they're under um, attorney general's investigations, and that limits them. And, and in canon law, of course, the the names of priests who, you know, have to, uh, the, the files of priests have to be protected. Priests have a right to a certain amount of confidentiality. Right. But there are certainly conditions under which um, access could be granted and confidentiality, confidentiality could also be protected. And the reason we know that is because in some ways the, the review of records in France probably sets a template for that. So, um, so there probably are, but there's also, I think, just a disposition, largely, I think, because of litigation here in the United States that has kept that kind of thing from seeming to the American bishops like a good idea. 
Um, I was looking over some numbers the other day, I think from bishopaccountability.org, and uh, it seemed as though the numbers of reports have been going down significantly from what they have from the 50s, the 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s. Uh, are you convinced, and some people say, well, you won't know because um, uh, victims don't report uh, events right. until later. My response to that is, well, that's that's true, but we're also living in a climate now in which uh, victims are encouraged, uh, like never before, to come forward. From your looking at the numbers, do you think we are we are in our our, situ- our, our situation is much improved over fifty years ago? Yes, I, I do. And, and looking at the numbers, you can certainly see the number of new allegations going down. But you can also just see the the, the total and dramatic shift in, in in policy and, as you say, sort of environment. Um, you know, Catholic clerics, Catholic youth ministers, uh, people who volunteer in the church are, are much more likely to be conditioned now to know that they shouldn't be alone with a kid, they shouldn't be in a car with a kid, that fathers shouldn't take kids on a camping trip by themselves. These kinds of things, which 50 years ago we didn't blink at. Right. Um, and, and, and while the Church has made that cultural shift, there are a lot of public institutions in America that, that haven't, that haven't made the, the efforts that the Church has made on the issue of child protection. And so for a person who's sort of um, looking for um, opportunities for nefarious uh, you know, activity, the Church no longer represents a good environment for that kind of thing. And I do think that has made quite a difference. What we're becoming aware of more and more now is the way in which we, we do have to be attentive to the sexual abuse and coercion of adults, of people who are, you know, of, of seminarians, of people who are otherwise in, in positions in which they can be sort of influenced in, 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 um, in negative ways. And I think we have to figure out what the right policy solutions are to that. I don't think we're there yet yeah. in the right cultural changes either. But with regard to the issue of children, it seems that the Church in the United States, for a variety of reasons, has made a lot of cultural shifts that do mean that on the whole, um, we're, we're taking the steps that we can to ensure safe environments. Now, that yeah. doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, and when, when they do, the Church has to take that very, very seriously right. and be accountable for it and learn the lessons that come from it. But on the whole, I do think that sh- the Church in the United States has made a shift with regard to child protection over the last, not just 50 years, but really over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh, uh, Bishop Rhodes uh, at uh, South Bend, Fort Wayne there, uh, had a, uh, an, a credible allegation last week, and he mentioned at the press conference that this was the the only contemporary uh, allegation that they've had to deal with. They've had to deal with them, but they they go back decades. But this one is current, uh, and I thought that was interesting uh, for him to uh, you know to I, I think point that out. Too. And you know, there there are others. There have certainly been others, and you know, social media makes it easier for for people people, whether they're clerics or otherwise, for adults to be in contact, inappropriate contact with kids. Texting makes it easier. And so there's certainly Catholic schools and parishes that have seen the misuse by predatory adults of social media mm. and, uh, and, um, and texting and these kinds of things to be in contact with kids. So those things are not eliminated, and there are new kinds of opportunities. I think probably the issue of digital accountability is the most pressing issue for the Church right now on the, on the issue of, of safe environments. Interesting. But on okay. the whole, I think that um, the sort of... Um, a lot of the ways in which those crimes of opportunity happened in the past have been uh, have been addressed, and 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 culture has changed to address them. Do you know if other national bishops' conferences? I mean, we have the French that we're talking about today in particular. Uh, are there other national bishops' conferences that are kind of throwing open the archives like the French have? 
Well, there, I, I think there will be more now because the French have, have done this so much. Uh, there have been uh, some similar studies in other European countries. I think there was one um, in the Netherlands, but not, uh, not nearly as comprehensive as this. But I think we have to expect that there will be now just because I think there'll be more public pressure in, right. in, in especially countries in proximity to France. Yeah. J.D., tell people why they should be uh, signing up and receiving the pillar. Well, uh, go to pillar.catholic.com receive the pillar because we cover the church in a way that's faithful, smart, and uh, gives you what you know. <laughs> Very good. We'll talk soon. Thanks, J.D. J.D. Flynn, co-founder and editor-in-chief of The Pillar. Again, We've been strongly supportive from the beginning of the work that uh, he and Ed Condon have been doing over there. I'm Al Cresta.